Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. I'm Matt Southgoom and today I'm joined by Benjamin James. Good afternoon, Ben. How you doing, Matt? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. So obviously we've had the big day of the week so far, the team announcement day, Wales v England on Saturday. Um, not too many surprises in amongst the, the starting sides and the, the 23s named by Eddie Jones and Warren Gatland. Perhaps more interesting has been the sort of verbal exchanges, or we hoped uh, perhaps yeah. they would be more interesting than they appeared. But Eddie Jones has fired a few shots. First and foremost, let's deal with his original claim that this is the greatest Welsh team that's ever lived. Um, what do you make of it? Well, he's wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's not, uh, is it? Let's be fair. But it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know, two two press conferences today, you, you'd expect the fireworks to come from them, and the fireworks have come from what is ultimately a press release by the. RFU sort yeah. of at ten ten thirty, which was you know where he said those comments. Said it's the greatest Welsh team ever. Well, greatest team ever was mm. his exact words. Um, he said it's the biggest game of these players' lives, despite the fact that nine of these players played against England at Twickenham in the World Cup you know, three years ago, which was or four years ago now, which you know yeah. heck of a lot bigger than this weekend Absolutely. certainly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting stuff. You know, it's just the same old, same old narrative we've had since that. Since England beat France, it's been the sort of same old sort of deflecting tactics that you get in these games where everyone's scrambling to be the underdogs. Um, and in a game like this, when Wales are coming off the back of you know an eleven-game winning streak, and England are looking absolutely lethal in the first two games mm. of the Six Nations, it's just what's what's the need to sort of really try to sell yourself as the underdogs clearly there's some sort of internal need isn't there that you present yourself as that on the outside and then it must be in training camp you're confident but I just I, you know, what, what, what's your game yeah I mean it's, it just takes both teams are trying to take the pressure off themselves aren't they it's not as if there's a there's not enough pressure flying around this week um, there's obviously um, a very high profile game um, lots on the line for both sides a perfect storm in many ways all you really need is for it to be the last game of the championship and then you really have got it all, uh, all the ingredients there. Um, but yeah, you know, Eddie, Eddie Jones is, is in a position of strength really because obviously he's got a, um, he's got a bit of a one or two over on Wales in, in recent seasons. Uh, England are coming in as favourites. We all know um, they've performed better in their first two games. Um but then again, because Wales have won, it's given him a bit of a free shot to try and spice things up, put the pressure on Wales and see how they react. Um, it's always easier to to sound off a little bit more when you're speaking from a position of strength. And England are, are, are the favourites, uh, despite Eddie Jones's best efforts to tell us otherwise. Um, but I thought it was interesting that he also went into, on to say that it's, it's the biggest game of the Welsh players' lives. And, you know, it, it kind of trying to feed that notion that it means far more to, to a Welshman to beat England than it does to an English person to beat Wales. It, you know, we get into all sorts of uncomfortable territories for me during Wales-England week where we start talking about the, the, the rivalry and the supposed hatred and, you know, don't get me wrong, it, it is a different game. The, the temperature is raised, it does rise, sorry, um, a little bit higher in, on these occasions, but... I really don't think there's there's too much that anybody needs to do to build this game up. No, 
it's been, it's been like Wales England bingo this week, isn't it? We've had we've had yeah. Welsh fan headbutts, uh, oh, the yeah, team get, bus story. We've had all that. We've had the roof row. You know, it's just it's the same old, same old. The Wales England, isn't it? Um, the quote I liked from Gatland uh, today, which you know you, you said there about Eddie Jones just speaking of position of strength. Gatland said, "People know what this England team have done so far. People don't know where Wales are because you know." France was an indifference performance. Italy, they made ten changes. But he said nobody knows where we are, but we do. Yeah. So England don't know what team's going to come out on Saturday, but we know what team's going to come out on Saturday. Yeah, that's a nice. That's actually quite a nice quote. And like you said, it's a nice way of looking at it because, um, you know, in, in this day and age, with all the analysis that goes on, and you know, they'll have they'll have access to footage from games for, since God knows when. You know. Um, so they won't be short of things to look at but like you said in the last two games Wales haven't really given anything away because they haven't really looked like they've had much of a game plan they never found a rhythm in the first two games they they lived off um, they were very clinical in the first few games but they didn't create many chances so you know it is difficult to try and figure out where they are and what they're trying to do he's, he's got a point you know and like England, for example, we've all seen that they they kick France into submission. Uh, they can't come to Cardiff and do that because the Welsh back three is far better than the French back three. I think you know I don't think anybody needs to argue with me on that. And the other interesting thing for me as well is Liam Williams, obviously now a teammate of Owen Farrell's at Saracens, is going to know Farrell's game inside out and will know what his tendencies are. Obviously, a lot of them have played together on the Lions tours as well, so. I don't think Wales are going to be kicked into submission like France were. So, in that regard, there is a bit of an element of surprise in terms of what are England going to do as well. We know Tuilagi and Vunipola and, and the like are going to be trying to get a game line and quick ball. But um, after that, you know, I think there's an element of surprise in there for those guys as well. So, you know, I don't think either side really, like Gatlin says, he doesn't think England are going to go away from the kicking game. But. I don't think they can expect to come here and do that to to Wales, do you? I don't. I agree with Gatlin. I don't think they'll go away from it. I'm not. This is a thing. Like I did a piece earlier in the week, and I said, you "And you just tell me this because you did that piece." I earlier did that in the piece, week. and you know, pe- people sort of said, "Yeah, but they won't have as much success as against France because France were just abysmal." Which I agree with. They won't have as much obvious success. You know, it's not. No one's expecting you know Owen Farrell to dab a sort of aimless kick through and Liam Williams and George North to be like Johan Uge and. Penno and just not be there but I, th- I think England will back themselves to get incremental gains and territorial games on the kicking mm. game which they sort of, they did against Ireland for the most part you know they, they, they won the sort of kicking game they targeted Keith Earls which they could do with George North so easily yeah. um, obviously Ireland had Henshaw at full back which again made things look a little bit more sort of spectacular because the errors are more noticeable but I as good as Wales's back three are, if England get front football, they've got enough kickers in that back line to, to find grass probably behind the likes of George North. So I'm, I'm not expecting England to score necessarily score tries off it the same way they did against France, but they can certainly pin England uh, to pin Wales back, and that's that's where the game could be won because once you know you've, you've got that England team playing in your 22 for large periods of the game, the pressure's going to tell with that front five, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, we'll come on to it later, but I, I do still think in games like this, Wales find something within themselves when their backs are against the wall to to produce like heroic defensive performances. Oh, yeah. And you know, if we do get into that territory where Wales are going to be asked to defend like they have done in the past, 
the island game jumps out at you straight away the one we all go back to and where they defended like 40 odd phases in their own 22 concern there is is pretty much every game apart from Eddie Jones's first year yeah. every game sort of between Wales and England you think back to 2017 at the stadium that was a, a monumental effort between the two teams wasn't it? a massive test yeah. match and you know Wales defended well that day England seemed to be sort of the one team that know how to finish late against Wales yeah and I mean so you talk about backing your, your fitness England probably feel more confident backing their fitness at the minute than, than Wales in this fixture mm-hmm you could say that, but you know, I mean, Wales finished strongly against France. I know France are an absolute calamity at the moment, so you know, take it all with a pinch of salt. Um, but England's England's danger, excuse me, is obviously in the first first few minutes at the moment. They're oh, scoring yeah. tries quickly, and um, so is it four four last four tests? Last yeah, five tests. What what they'll and they'll want to do that again because away sides coming to Cardiff, scoring early and scoring first is so crucial. If England score an early try, it's going to absolutely kill the atmosphere, and that is that is doomsday scenario for Warren Gatland. Oh, yeah. um, you know he doesn't have doesn't have Lee Halfpenny there, so it's not. I know Gareth Anscombe's are like an eighty five percent kicker, um, but doesn't have Halfpenny there who will knock over penalties from anywhere inside opposition territory. So, you know the amount of times we've been over that stadium and we've seen Wales build a lead. You know, three nil, six nil, nine nil. Just, just in the first twenty minutes, because you've got that absolute siege gun boot, um, just banging it over from everywhere. Um, so Wales are going to have to be wary of England's fast start, um, because if they score early, then it's going to be a very tense afternoon. Um, so yeah, you know, either way, early or late, um, England are dangerous, uh, particularly as we've mentioned early at the moment. Um, you know, like I said, I, th- I think Wales can can be confident. They are underdogs. They prefer being underdogs. Um, I'm never comfortable when Wales <laughs> are favourites in games, no. particularly games like this. Um, so you know, underdog suits Wales, and um, it does. and I think uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer than some people think on uh, on Saturday. Oh, yeah, I see, I see it being like two years ago, just a absolute sort of. Titanic test match that will be decided in the last 10 minutes yeah. that's, that's, that's how it's going to be isn't it exactly and I suppose I mean at that time you know you look at the benches and, and Wales is a tad um, experienced mate. my inexperience is probably the wrong word I, I don't think you can level that at Welsh rugby teams anymore um, but you know you've got Alec Davis here when perhaps you might have had you know in the past you've had Reese Webb starting and Gareth yeah. Davis coming on and you looked at the bench in Paris and like Corey Hill is coming on, you know you feel Corey Hill comes on the field, you immediately feel safer. Yeah, um, and that's not a knock on Adam Adam Beard, but when you've got youngsters on this stage, you don't really know how they're going to react. And Corey Hill's proven himself now. Uh, obviously, Aaron Wainwright has done brilliantly so far in his career, but this is his biggest it's, test. It's massive. Thomas Williams is biggest. Uh, sorry, Thomas Williams is out. What am I talking about? Alec. Alec Davis probably still his biggest test in a Wales shirt. Yeah. Um, Owen Watkin, another one who was good in Italy, probably arguably his best game in a Wales shirt so far, but it's still not proven at this level for me. So, you know, if we do get into those latter stages and Wales don't have the lead, then that is going to be really difficult. But with a lead, Dan Bigger coming on can kill the game off. Yeah. The, the half-back's a funny one for me because obviously if we're chasing a game, 
Alan Davis and Dan Bigger together aren't the halfbacks you want to bring on and I'm just I'm not convinced of, of, of them as a halfback pair and I thought we saw that in Italy where I think with Dan Bigger you need a scrum half who snipes mm. so I think if when rather Bigger comes on for Anscombe which we can assume that he will probably around the hour mark Yeah, because that just seems to be Wales's tactics at the minute Anscombe plays an hour Bigger comes on I'd expect Gareth Davis to stay on for pushing the full 80 yeah, the, to, to partner bigger. You would you would think that, but at the same time, his he is going to clock up some real miles in he this is. game. I know you've done pieces in the past highlighting uh, the work that he does defensively, um, and you know he runs. You know Warren Gatland has said in the past that he's not fit enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty brutal, wasn't it? That was last year. It was last year, last year Dublin. in Dublin. Yeah, last time Wales lost. Um, yeah, and um, so yeah. Any running that these players normally do, you kind of assume is going to go up thirty to forty percent in this game. I would imagine, or maybe thirty, forty is probably pushing it a bit. Um, well, you know, a pro fourteen game, you'd be talking fifty-five meters a minute. A test match like this, you could be topping a hundred. Well, there you go. So you know, uh, well, so you know, Gareth Davis, I can't see lasting the full eighty for that reason. Um, but like you said, right? If Wales are chasing the game, then. Ooh, it's going to be a real test for for Dan Bigger. But if they're in front, you know you don't really love who else yeah. do you want coming on? You know, I always go back to that South Africa game in the autumn, and I maintain that Wales were going to lose that game until Dan Bigger came on the field. So yeah, yeah, oh, um, definitely. Yeah. I thought he saved the game for Wales there. So that's what he can bring, just an element of control, um, just putting it in the right areas. He was trying far too much against Italy. Uh, I think he felt like he had to try and prove something. Um, so if he just goes back to his natural game, you know, if Wales are if Wales are leading uh, when he comes on, then Wales will win. For me, like that. But you see, the other thing I want to raise as well is that Gareth Anscombe. Uh, a lot of people are seeing this as a gamble, right? And I think we can unfairly sometimes pigeonhole the two of them. Like we say, you know, Gareth Anscombe likes to play a bit more. He's a bit more expansive, but can't control the game. Maybe not defensively as sound. And we say the, the opposite about Dan Bigger, but I, you know, I, I've you've seen Gareth Anscombe do it from the start, yeah. you know, against Australia or whatever. Australia is the one. Isn't um, it? And the other thing is that, that when Anscombe faced Owen Farrell uh, for the Cardiff Blues at the Arms Park in particular, I thought personally he was the better fly half on the day, yep. even though he came out on the wrong side. That day, Saracens just proved they had the right, the big players who could win the big moments. But I thought. Anscombe outplayed Farrell in difficult conditions so you know he, he'll be confident in his own ability anyway he's a confident person but I think he'll you know he'll look might look back on that performance and think you know what Owen Farrell is a world class player and he's been on multiple Lions tours etc etc we all know how good he is but Gareth Anscombe has held his own against him before so he can do it again yeah I mean the week before the Allianz Park he was pretty impressive until the Blues sort of broke down with injuries at half time hmm um, in that game, the thing, and this is the thing where I always think with Anscombe is if you get if you get multiple options off him, there's there's probably not a better fly half in Wales. If you mm. give him, if you give him a flat option and a deep option, he can hold the defence, he can pick the pass, and he can just you know he can fire a bullet and he can put someone through a gap. Towards in that game, they sort of tired and it, it, it's it's part his responsibility, it's part sort of the other players. You ended up with just one up one up runners off him, mm. and that's when he's. You know, he'll try. He'll try fire and miss pass off one of one of us, and you end up with throwing an intercept. Yeah, seen that a couple of times. So, 
it's key that he, he's got the, the sort of right options off him because if he does he, he could unlock England's defence mm. alright now let's move into the front five uh, it's an interesting area really interesting um, you've got a couple so you've got Thomas Francis and Ben Moon two Exeter club mates going at it head yeah. to head um, you've got Ken Owens and Jamie George two Lions two Lions and obviously you know Jamie George was slightly preferred on that tour so Ken Owens might feel he's got something to prove there it's not often you can say that about Ken Owens that he's got something to prove going into a match because he's an absolute world class operator oh, yeah. in his own right so you know it's going to be interesting to see how he responds he, he, to that he could play in the park on a Tuesday afternoon I think he'd be running through brick walls yeah you know, we, we, well, we hear this about, about them watching uh, the play about Ray Gravel's life uh, in the Prince Party Stadium this week in, on one of the nights and Ken Owens was one of those who, who was supposedly in tears watching that you know proper proud Welshman yeah he'll be um He's a proper proud, proud bloke in general. I, I always remember, you look back on um, the Scarlets win over Leicester at Parker Scarlets, and just when he was playing number eight, and you just look at what it meant to him. You, you know for a fact, like you said, he could be playing on a Tuesday night in, in yeah. you know, Division 4 East, West, up, down, north, south, central, set, <laughs> and it would still mean a lot to him, oh. you know? So. The, one, the one that sticks out for me was when the Scarlets were in danger of missing out on European rugby about four years ago I think it was Priestland's last season there mm. and he, he just carried that team I remember they played the Dragons at Judgment Day and he scored a try that day and literally thought he was going to throw the ball at someone in the crowd yeah he did the same he looked, that he looked, game, he looked yeah. absolutely fired up and yeah. you know, that's, just, that's just Ken yeah absolutely and then obviously we've got Carl Sinclair um, up against Rob Evans that's not going to be a quiet side of the scrum is it Gonna be nice, isn't it? <laughs> Tell you what, if you've got your ref links on, that might be one to listen into because that's oh, good. Yeah, I'm on that. Ref. Yeah, I'm on. <laughs> I'm on ref mic duty. I look forward to uh, that. That is going to be uh, one to keep an eye on. Two very feisty characters. Indeed. Um, not short of a word or two either of them. So that that's going to be particularly interesting. He got a little um, wound up, didn't he, against France? Can't yeah, he did. He did, and you know, he got under. Um, Peter Armani's skin out in Dublin as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, a few expletives exchanged in that one. Um, so you know, I, and I, on the Lions tour as well, I always remember thinking, oh, I tell you what, if Carl Sinclair can get hold of himself, he is going to be some player. And you know, he's you know, was it it's two years since since that, and um, you know, he's obviously matured somewhat in that time, and you know, he does still. Was it was it Wellington? He won the winning penalty, and he nearly. Yeah, he, he, won. Nearly, he obviously got tackled in the air. Yeah, he did, and I think I think it was Jonathan Davis who ran in and just grabbed him by the scruff of the neck gonna, and going to get involved with him away. Yeah, because that could have really turned things on his head. Um, so yeah, you know he's a feisty one and you know great player. I tell you what, if you get people like that who can channel their energy in the right way, then they can be a real threat. So you know Rob Evans is not going to shy away from that. And I tell you what, right. <sighs> You can't say for certain because you never know what's going through Gatlin's mind. But he might have looked at that because Rob Evans and Nicky Smith have, have been, you know, I know Rob Evans has had slightly more game time, and I think that's what probably sways it for me. But Gatlin might have looked at that and thought, well, you know what? Nick Carl is a big personality. I've worked with him before. Yeah. I'm going to stick Rob Evans in his face and, and just let Because I think. I think Rob Evans will really react to that challenge, oh, yeah. and you'll know when to get in. You know, exchange a few verbals, and he'll know how to harness that energy. And I think that's going to be an absolute barnstormer of a matchup. So keep your eyes on on what's going on on that side of the scrum. Um, into the boiler house, into the second row. Um, Corey Hill, Alan Wynne Jones. Um, 
I don't think there were too many eyebrows raised when Adam Beard dropped out of the starting side, but no. most people, um, I suggested it quite early on two weeks ago that I thought Jake Ball would be coming and he's nowhere near the side, so um, just, that, I thought they were going to bring that grunt. But is, that, is that a lack of game? Possibly, possibly, yeah, that's, that's a fair comment. I think Corey Hill's done well when he's been involved yeah. as well for Wales in the first two rounds. Also, um, they talked today about the line-out. Line outs yeah, line-out was a mess a in Italy, right. absolutely a mess. Say it's say a mess in Italy. Like, well, they lost four lineups. How, how many? How many, how many of them are sort of first teamers, though? Yeah, exactly. That was, that was the thing, you know. Like, I remember. I think one of the commentators said Italy had done their homework. I was like, how can you do your homework when it's a whole new pack <laughs> thrown in, thrown in? You know. Yeah. Nah, Corey Hill will. He'll uh, he'll shore that up, and you know he's just he's been the sort of model test player in the last year. You know he's. he's Probably a bit unlucky to have dropped out of the team in the latter part of last year, but mm. he'll come in, he'll do a job, and he just fits in quite nicely next to Alan and Jones, doesn't he? Yeah, and they're up against it as well. Obviously, you know, Courtney Laws um, stays in the side. England losing Maro Atoje, big loss, obviously. Um, but Courtney Laws has really showed up again and showed up in an England shirt. Um, it's made for him, isn't it? I was having a chat with one of my English mates uh, earlier in the week and just thinking, like, if there's one player in that England side you don't want to play against, it's Courtney Laws. Yes, it's you know, you'd be looking over your shoulder everywhere you went, and you know, particularly Gareth Anscombe. You know, so, you see, you saw people. Um, I had a few tweets yesterday after we got the story out about Anscombe starting. You know, Courtney Laws is going to be in his face from the get-go, um, and um, you know, it's going to be interesting that one because he's got a. As always with players like that, you you do toe the line, and Jacko Piper is going to have to have eyes in the back of his head. There's always a lot going on in these games, but you know, two really good um, second row departments going at it, and that's going to be a real fascinating battle. It is. He'll it, you know, Courtney Laws. The first twenty minutes, it's just going to be getting to Anscombe mm. early, even if that's late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the old saying goes. Um, on that theme though we move into the back rows and you've got Ross Moriarty there for Wales obviously with Navidi and Tipperick yeah. you know, that's a really settled as well, well yeah. as settled as it can be well, given Gatlin's tendencies but I think that's our first choice back row yeah, at the moment the minute, yeah. now you look back at the last few England-Wales games and there's always been at least one occasion where Ross Moriarty is absolutely level though in Farrell yeah, was I, one, was just, I was thinking about 2017. One in, and there was one where I was looking at the highlights of the of the game last year in Twickenham as well. I don't recall, I was there, but I don't recall it. Um, where it was very similar. If anything, the one at Cardiff was even later. Oh, it was. That, that was so late. I cannot believe it. I couldn't believe when he got away with that. Perfectly timed. Um, but yeah, the one at Twickenham was a little bit more well-timed. and um, But still right in the ribs. And you know Farrell's the kind of bloke who will you know he obviously got back up and carried on and and pulled the strings, but loves it. There, there are only you know you, you do wonder, don't you? There are only so many of those hits you can take, and um, you know I think Ross Moriarty might might be licking his lips and relishing this. You know these are the games that that he's gonna someone like him is gonna absolutely thrive. You know just get through absolute mountains of work. The physical confrontation. If it get, if it, if they start to mix it up a bit, you guarantee oh, yeah. he's going to be right in the thick of it, and you know probably leading the charge from a physical standpoint with Wales. Be interesting to see how obviously in the last year Farrell's switched from twelve to ten. Be interesting to see how that sort of changes it because you know if you, if you, if when he sort of lined up at second receiver, you could probably you could probably line him up quite easily. Now he's got 
you'll have Manu Tuolagi running off his shoulder. Mm. So that might that might mean that Ross just sort of has to tread water a bit more just in case the pass goes to Tuolagi. But yeah. Also, the likes of him and Navidi are going to have a big job on containing oh. Billy Vallipola as well. Massive. Um, you know, he's not. He hasn't actually played against Wales all that often because he seems to be injured a lot. Um, I think it's been three times. Someone told me. I might be wrong in that. I haven't checked the stats. Um, but it, he hasn't played against Wales too often. I th- think again. I hear that he's only played in Cardiff once. Um, Twenty fifteen. So, you know, yeah. it's not. So, but you know, he's an absolute juggernaut of a bloke, isn't he? And yeah. And him, him and Manu Tuilangi, we haven't really touched on. Um, those two are going to be absolutely pivotal in England's game plan because if they get get their game line and they get go forward and they get quick ball, it's going to be very difficult. And and that's when you start looking at out further wide and and players start getting exposed quite yeah. often. If you find George North gets a lot of criticism, for example, because he plays on the wing. You know, mistakes you make on the wing are so magnified. magnified. Yep. Um, and, and nine times out of ten, you're caught in that position because of something that's happened three phases earlier on the other side of the pitch. That's like just it, the yeah. way rugby works. Um, I used to hate playing on the wing. Hang on, you used to play on the wing. You used to play on the wing. Big yeah. lad like yourself. Big lad like me, playing on the wing. There you go. I just found the stats. So yeah, Billy Vonipol has played against Wales three times and once in Cardiff. Yeah. So whoever told me 2015. told me that they were right. Yeah, 2015 Six Nations. There we go. So, um, yeah. So, you know, Vanapola is gonna is gonna be a source that the England are gonna look to feed off. Um, to laggy as well. Yeah. Those two are gonna be. Those two are probably the two players that I'm worried most about for yeah. the last. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a blessing that there's not another Vanapola on the pitch. Yeah, Mako. Yeah, obviously it, that's uh, a huge loss. Getting getting all th- all of them three on the pitch. You know, I think. The Ireland game in Dublin was the first time that all three had played for England at the same time, mm. which is an incredible stat, and it just you know just shows you sort of one how injury prone at least two of them are. Yeah. But two, when you when you get them three on the pitch, it just makes the game so much easier. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we so got, haven't got to worry about that. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So moving on, then let's touch on it in a little bit more depth. What is your as a Welshman? Yeah, we're both Welsh. Indeed. What is your biggest concern going into Saturday? I just think England are probably just going to win win the sort of they're going to get front for ball and then it becomes a sort of it's going to be trickier to defend the kicks. I'm, I'm not sure we, we, we're going to win the conclu- collisions to slow them down mm. and that's going to be too much to ask for the likes of Tiprick and Navidi to, to slow break ball break that ball down when we're not winning the collisions you know like in, England don't have a great breakdown presence but you know they, they, they employ so many sort of double tackles that they turn everything into either sort of mauls or just it just slows the tackle down so that's that's how they'll sort of stop us I'm not convinced that we've got either the physicality to do that and I just that's that's my worry. Yeah, I would, I would go along with that. You know, scarcely do you ever think that Wales are going to lose the physical confrontations. Um, they did in Ireland last year, and that's why they lost uh, out there. Um, but yeah, two lines my biggest concern. Um, I don't recall seeing him in this kind of form for a very, very, very long time. Um, no. You know, he's causing some real trouble. You watch that. I remember watching him against France, and you just look at him hitting gain line, thinking, Boof. 
you know, you're going to have to double up on someone like that. Yeah. And the only way you nullify that kind of threat is by slowing the ball down. So, you know, quite early on in passages of play, Wales are going to have to stop things and slow it down. Because if England get a couple of phases of quick ball, then you just worry about what they can do. And, you know, they, they, it's not just the big lads coming down the middle. You've got Henry Slade down a bit further out and, and Elliot Daly and those yeah, guys who can just create. So many playmakers in that back line, haven't they? So, yeah, like you said, it is going to be tough for Tiprick and Navidi. Um, they're going to have to try and get in on the ball as much as they can. Um, Jacko Piper is going to play a big role in that regard in terms of how much is he going to let them play. Um, but Justin Tiprick's going to, well, they're all going to have to have a big game, but Justin Tiprick's going to have to pull another rabbit out of the hat. Oh yeah, uh, for me there. John, um, John Davis is gonna have to have a massive game as well. Yeah, I, well, yeah, that's what I mean. You could go through the whole side, but you're right. Yeah, you, you sort of you think about if England start to get front football, then there's so many options. They can either go wide, or they can, you know, kick kick off. Probably about I think of the eight of the eight backs who have played in the Six Nations, seven of them are putting ki- putting kicks. So only two Alagi hasn't put in a kick, and six of the players who are putting kicks. Um, have led to tries, so any anyone in that backline can kick. So it's all about making decisions and on the edges, and that's where John Davis probably saved us in France, and he's going to have another big afternoon ahead of him. Mm. Well, I suppose the saving grace in that regard is he's probably the best thirty in the world at defending that channel. So yeah. if if anyone's going to going to slow them down there, it's going to be absolutely uh, John Davis. Um, on the flip side, then, what's the the biggest cause for optimism? I just think it's Wales. This Wales team is it's, a lot of the players sort of they'll they'll rise up for this game. It's, it's Wales England at the stadium. Big test match. Sean Edwards surely has something up his sleeve. I think mm. we'll, we'll see a big we'll see a big defensive shift. Um, and then it you know it's like. Like two years ago, big defensive shift. It's probably going to be a set piece move. The Wales have got lined up their sleeves. Score off that. It's not. It's not. You know. It's not. This game's going to be decided by fine margins, and and you know, Wales can win that. Yeah, I guess a couple of things for me. Look at like we touched on earlier. I'm far more comfortable when Wales are, are written off, um, and go in with the underdogs tag. I think. It allows Gatland to build this siege mentality within the camp. You know, you've been in there before, um, before the World Cup, and had a little bit of an insight in a couple of training sessions. And the players are being told nobody's working harder than you. Yeah. Nobody, you know, I can imagine that people are you know, there and they say nobody thinks you're good enough. You know, England are going to come to Cardiff. They're going to walk all over you again. And you know, I just think it creates that that vibe in, in camp. You know, they're going to be right on edge and and the sort of attention levels are going to rise up the notches and you know like you said earlier Wales haven't really got into a rhythm at all uh, in this Six Nations so it's difficult for for England to analyse what they're going to do Gareth Anscombe at fly half I think makes things more difficult again for them to analyse um, so it, all those things combined you know it just does give you a source of of confidence and I think the other thing is that I don't think England have really been tested yet in this Six Nations you know Ireland were disappointing. France were just an absolute calamity. Um, yeah. And I think the 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 week break came at the right time for Wales. Um, it suited them far more than it suited England. And further to that, right, 
it's all been about how England are flying and Wales are uh, well below par. You know, they're scraping through England, are scoring bonus point tries left, right, and centre. But you know, you mean to tell me that you give somebody like Warren Gatland and Sean Edwards two weeks to come up with a plan yeah. to dismantle another side and and then give them a group of players you know that Wales have now, then you know I think they're going to come up with something that's going to cause England a lot of problems, probably more than. A lot of people think uh, Wales are capable of, so that's going to be an interesting little battle. And, Definitely, um, and I'm certainly not writing Wales off in this. You know, they'll, they'll, as with most games in this winning run, they'll have less possession, they'll have less territory, so they'll they'll back their defence all day long, and they'll 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 really sort of relish that sort of defensive battle, the physicality, and all that. They've got to look at how. Ireland got broken down by England in attack and, and learn from that because Ireland was shown to be just really one dimensional against this England defence if Wales don't learn from that they'll suffer even more but if they do learn from it they can really pick holes in this defence because obviously everything with Ireland comes off Conor Murray's one up runners off Conor Murray and last year in Dublin Wales couldn't live with that defence but England just stayed away from the rocks and blitzed hard around the fringes gave up the overlap because they know that Ireland aren't going to really go out the back and work the wide channels so if Wales start either you know bringing someone like George North into those channels for a tip on pass from a forward or they just play off 10 it negates that sort of England sort of narrow blitz and suddenly John Mitchell has some thinking to do Absolutely. We were going to touch on the roof, but we haven't got time, and it's a very short subject anyway. The roof's yes, going to be open, open. Because, because England won it open. It's going to be I a mean, sunny day, so it really doesn't matter at all. Smith, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be a white-hot atmosphere anyway, as we all know, because there's plenty riding on this one. Um, we're not going to go, though, without doing our predictions. Oh. Um, I don't recall how things ended up last, last time out, but I'm just going to go out and say that I'm six from six. You're not. Um, <laughs> although you, you did, I think you. you, you I think uh, I'm, pretty, you had, I'm pretty close. I had, I had, I was, I had a perfect score on the first weekend, and I'm pretty sure you had a perfect score on the second weekend because I think you went for Ireland beating Scotland, and me and Ace went for the other way around. Went for Scotland. All right, well, we'll, we'll have to figure it out before our next podcast. But, but yeah, let's go. On, I, let's, let's nail put it this way, down. It's tight at the top. Um, I think it's me and you, and then Ace is trailing behind. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> He's been up at uh, Penny Hill Park this week, uh, today, in fact, speaking to Eddie Jones, so he's not here to uh, to give us his predictions. But go on, in France, Scotland. France. Oof. Scotland have got a load of injuries. France have picked yeah. some youngsters. I know, you know they'll, what? They'll come out. Okay, my only concern is Intermac could be a little bit phased by it. Yeah. But Dupont just improves them so much. Girardo's going to be running through brick walls. France will come out with the performance this week, and I think Scotland is just a little bit. Oh, I tell light, you what, light. look at that that Scotland side. Yeah, <laughs> like they they carried some injuries into this tournament. Oh, and it's just been unkind. Their injury list is absolutely ridiculous. Plus, you know, when when was the last time they they won an away game against a team that was in Italy in the Six Nations? You're going back a long time. I tell you, yeah, I'm going to back France with you. You talked me into it. There we go. Saying that, like you said, when you saw the injury list Scotland had, they've just got absolutely It's going to be no tough, isn't it? But I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that match. That's going to be a nice nice little appetiser. Nice little appetiser. <laughs> On the big screens at the Principality Stadium, get in early is the message. Um, obviously, increased security checks. Oh, nice, nice. Nice um, work. Yeah, so yeah, enjoy that one. 
Uh, Alright, Wales, England then. Let's get at it. Nail your colours to the mass, Benjamin. Head says England. But, you know, I'll, I'll go for a Wales win. I think it's going to be something like 17 14. They need to. They need to win. If England win the, this game, it's the Six Nations is. Well, whoever done. wins this game wins the Six Nations. I end, don't. No, not, ne- not necessarily. Because well, hang on. If England, if England win this game, you've got Scotland and you've got Italy at Twickenham. You know, you might give them the trophy now. Yeah. If Wales win, go up to Murrayfield, which I know Scotland got injuries, but it's not Wait. easy. And then you've got to welcome Ireland here, oh, I'm, and it's going to be. Worried. It, it'll be, yeah, but it's it's not a foregone conclusion because there'll be three teams going into that final weekend looking for the trophy. If England win this weekend, it's all it's done and dusted. I think if Wales win this weekend, they win the Six Nations, and I think they will win this weekend. So when yeah. I put it like that, that's a very bold claim, isn't it? There you go. But, yeah, <laughs> crack, I've always crack open the bubble. Yeah, no, I've, <laughs> of course, there's a lot of rugby to be played, Benjamin. Um, no, from from the start, you know, I, I have never been too concerned with what I've seen from Wales so far. Um, I didn't get as excited as a lot of people about England, although I do accept that they are playing some very nice rugby, um, and they obviously pose massive threats. I just got a feeling in my bones and there's no other way to describe uh, my decision in that regard sometimes you just got to go with your gut and yeah. I just like having been around the, the the squad quite a lot in the first few weeks of the championship they just feel like a group of players who believe in themselves um, they look relaxed they look settled um, I like what I'm hearing Eddie Jones, despite what he says, has done all the talking in the build-up, um, yeah. which usually tells you which one uh, feels under the more pressure. Um, so I like Wales. Um, and then we move on to Sunday's game, Italy against Ireland at the Stadio Olimpico. Do we need to discuss? Yeah, come on. All right. Two yeah. Ireland wins? Yeah. There you go. We'll make it easy on you. I think, that, I think they'll recover towards the end. I think the England game caught them off guard and they after such a sort of emotional probably toll of 2018 I, mm. I think they'll, they'll sort of take that loss as, as a positive now and sort of look for a plan B and yeah they'll, they'll, they'll run some points up this weekend I think no Parise confidence builder is that what you're saying yeah not, not that no Parise is necessarily a, a bad thing for Italy these days oh, that's the boldest claim of the show so far well, he's just you know he's I don't know what to say. Um, he just, you know, John Espado, he's, he's, a, he's a bit, he's a bit of a busted flush. If I'm being honest, he just oh, he's got you know, just I like bold claims. It's good. Don't be afraid of your opinions. He can't. He can't. He can't. Ability-wise, back up the sort of shift he wants to take on. You know, he's he wants to be dropping dropping goals, doesn't he, and all that, and, just, yeah. and hitting every ruck and doing everything. And it probably becomes more of a hindrance at some point, and we probably reach that point. Yeah, talk of his last this being his last Six Nations potentially earlier on in, in yeah. the year as well. So yeah. you know, it's not quite. To... I saw someone on Twitter earlier saying that he would never get into a, any of the other Six Nations teams throughout his career. Oh, which you know, you, you look at the number eight in two thousand eight Six Nations when I think he was sort of starting to hit his peak. Absolutely, you know, we had Alex Popham starting at eight. Who I, I think it was, was a great number eight, but Gatland didn't because he only gave him one game. So yeah. yeah. There you go. There we go. That's enough chat about Sergio Parisi. Yeah, uh, we have he, got. He, we all due respect. He gets. He gets enough. We have got <laughs> bigger fish to fry this weekend here at Wales Online Towers because it's Wales against England on oh. Saturday over the Principality Stadium. I'm excited. 
I'm excited. Um, that's going to be the end of this podcast today. If you liked this or if you didn't, uh, we're always up for feedback. So make sure you search us out on iTunes. Uh, give us a few stars, rate us, comment. Let us know what you think. And uh, if we're not good enough, then hopefully we'll improve or find another podcast. Now I'm only joking, we'll improve. Um, of course, like I get, said, it's get, get, get new hosts. Yeah, get, get, new hosts. get new hosts. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> probably the answer to all the problems, really, isn't it? Right. Wales, England, Saturday over the Principality Stadium, 4.45 kickoff. Of course, there's going to be plenty of build-up from now. The countdown really is on. And you can catch all that build-up, all the pre-game stuff, the live updates, and all the reaction afterwards on Wales Online.